بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين. One of the most amazing things to uh, to reflect on to think about when you look at the the generation of the Sahaba, the companions of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. When you look at their generation, especially if you look at the specific example of those who migrated, who immigrated from uh, from Mecca to Medina, the Muhajireen, Allah mentions in Surah Al-Hashr that during, like, as a result of that journey of migration, of permanently moving from Mecca to Medina, Allah says that they, they left behind... Um, their their homes, their wealth, and they were seeking the pleasure of Allah. So for them, that was priority number one, and they were they were willing to make these huge sacrifices for the sake of Allah. And in our deen, we believe that if you leave something for the sake of Allah, then He'll replace it with something better. One of the most beautiful, powerful, and profound things to think about, just from a standpoint of food for thought, when you look at the generation of the Sahaba, especially the Muhajireen, because Allah Himself testifies to the greatness of their sacrifice, think about it this way. They left behind their homes and their wealth, and in return, look at what Allah gave them in return. Not just in terms of their legacy, the fact that we're still talking about them now, the fact that we make dua for them when we say, Radiallahu anhu, may Allah be pleased with them. What did Allah give them in return? So they left their homes and they migrated from Mecca to Medina. They just wanted to be Muslim. They just wanted to obey Allah and His Messenger. They just wanted the pleasure of Allah Azza wa Jal. What did Allah give them in return? In their lifetime, Allah gave them Yemen. Allah gave them the, the whole of the Arabian Peninsula. Allah gave them Sham. Allah gave them Persia. Allah gave them Egypt. So think, look at it this way. Think about things in this way. They made that sacrifice. They left behind their homes and in return, look at how much more Allah gave them in return, subhanAllah. Within their lifetime, and one of the most powerful examples of this is Salman al-Farisi radiallahu Right, Especially for any of our youth, if, you know, if they're struggling with their faith, connect with the story of Salman the Persian, of Salman al-Farisi radiallahu And it's going to have some kind of impact on your heart. It's going to cause something to stir in your heart and to think more deeply about what, what is this deen, what is this faith. Right, especially if any of the youth are struggling with their identity as a Muslim, connect with his story and it'll help somehow in some way. He grew up in Persia, Salman al-Farisi. He grew up in Persia and he was from, like his dad was, was a very important person in, uh, in, in their temple, in their deen, in their society. He was, he was a, very, uh, a very prominent person. But long story short, it's an amazing story. We really can't get into it now. Salman al-Farisi, he leaves this position because he's coming from a, a comfortable lifestyle, right, of luxury. He, his lifestyle is plush and everything is taken care of. He already has the red carpet treatment because of the family that he's coming from. But he comes across the church, he comes across, you know, the, 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 the um, people following a different faith. And before that, he didn't know about that. So he becomes Christian and, and he asks them, like, where can I go to study? And his dad finds out that he changed his religion and he locks him up at home, literally, like chains, in chains at home. He finds a way to escape and then he goes to Sham. But then his first teacher is like a horrible teacher. He would take the money for sadaqah, for zakah, basically, and keep it for himself. And so a really bad first impression. 
But then the teacher, after he died, the next teacher was very good, but then he was very old in age, and some men told him that, I want to I want to continue studying. And he said, I don't know of anyone on this deen that I'm following. So the, the true remnants of the deen of Prophet Isa were still around in a few pockets here and there. So he said, I only know of one other person on this deen that I'm on now. And he's, you know, he's in a different country, basically. He's elsewhere. He's in Iraq. So then he leaves Sham and he goes to Iraq. And then that teacher is very old and he's on his deathbed. And he says, I know of one other person. I know of one other person. He's in Turkey. So then, so he's doing all of this traveling for the sake of knowledge, for the sake of seeking truth. So he ends up in Turkey and then, and then he hears from his Christian teacher that this is the time of the final prophet. This is the time of the awaited prophet. Referring to who? To Prophet Muhammad And he gives him a few signs. So he's not just telling him that, look for these very specific signs. So Salman, he, he saves up some money, he has these signs in mind, and he joins a caravan that's supposed to be going uh, towards Medina. They basically capture him, enslave him. He's already been through so much. Enslave him, and then they sell him to a man outside of Medina. He, basically, he ends up in Medina. And he goes and, and he, he, he tests these different signs that he's looking for. One of the signs of the Prophet ﷺ, that, he was, that he was that Prophet, that he would accept gifts, but he would not accept charity. So Salman, he, he saves up some dates and he goes to him and gives him, the Prophet is, is sitting with some companions. So Salman goes to him and he gives him some dates and he says that, you know, this is, uh, this is charity. So the, the Prophet, you know, he accepts it, but then he shares it with his companions and he doesn't eat from it. So he appreciates the gift, but he does not, he, he himself does not eat from it. He shares it with those around him. Okay, so that's, that's one thing. Another, another thing. Okay, so, but he does accept gifts, so he goes again, and he, he says, okay, another time, he says, this is a gift. So the Prophet eats from it and shares again. So you find the Prophet constantly sharing his generosity, so he eats from it and he shares with those around him. Okay, so that's another thing. The sign of, of going there and there'd be a bunch of palm trees, that was another sign. And, and then the last remaining sign that he was looking for was... The, the seal of prophethood on the back of the Prophet ﷺ, this physical mark on his back between his shoulder blades, ﷺ. But how are you going to see that? You're like, <laughs> so one day the, there was a, uh, there was a janazah and, and Salman is, is behind the Prophet. He's trying to peek and, and to look because the Prophet's garment, his shirt, essentially what, is, what he's wearing for his upper half, the upper half of his body is kind of going up and down. Salman is trying to peek. And the Prophet notices that and he asks him, are you looking for the seal of prophethood? He said, yes. So he lowers his garment, Salman sees it, he embraces the Prophet, he kisses the Prophet, and he immediately uh, uh, embraces Islam. He eventually, he eventually becomes, so this is, we're going to fast forward like years. He eventually becomes governor, a governor in Persia, the same, so look at everything going full circle. He, he is comfortable in Persia. He leaves that for the sake of Allah. He ends up in Sham, in Iraq, in Turkey. He ends up in Medina. He's enslaved. He ends up, you know, purchasing his freedom. The Prophet and the community, real community, they helped him to purchase his freedom. The Prophet helped him with planting every single one of the trees and all of them sprouted. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So they, the community helped him to pay off that price, basically. And so it goes full circle. He, he went through so much for the sake of Allah and look at what Allah gave him in return. Eventually, he ends up governor in the same the same place that he had initially left decades upon decades prior to that. What's the moral of the story? You find different examples of uh, uh, Suhaib al-Rumi, 
right? He leaves behind everything in Mecca. He arrives in Medina and the Prophet had already known about it from Angel Jibreel. And the Prophet told him as soon as he saw him, that was a profitable trade. You made a profitable trade. He left everything behind. What profitable trade? Allah gave him more in return in terms of deen, in terms of, in terms of dunya. He just wanted to be with the Prophet What's the moral of the story? If we leave, no one is saying it's easy. But if we leave something, even something small for the sake of Allah, then he'll replace it with something better. This is just an example from the best generation of Muslims that we can take note of and we can learn from it. Conceptually speaking, we ask Allah to help us to leave whatever it is that we're trying to leave for his sake. We ask Allah to help us in that endeavor and we ask Allah to replace it with something far better. Amin Rabbil Alameen. Wa akhiru da'wan. Alhamdulillah.